0: So today, guys, we want to start a new journey on the believer's authority. The believer's authority. Now, it's interesting that after I spent nearly half a day preparing for this teaching, I was feeling like this is something is missing. And, um, you know, so when I was going to bed last night, as I was brushing my teeth, then the Holy Spirit showed me at a glance what he wants to talk about. I'm like... Well, you could have kind of, I was trying not to be rude, but you could have kind of showed me all of this since morning, you know. So I guess I didn't spend enough time asking, but I knew, you know, many times when you want to teach a subject, you just go by your default way of preparation, you know, your notes, what you've learned and stuff like that. So what I'm going to be sharing with you guys this morning on why authority and the source of the believer's authority is not something I kind of really prepared for, but what I believe the Lord wants you guys to know. Amen. So when we talk about why authority, we're going to define authority shortly, but why authority? I mean, why does the believer, why do the believer need authority? You know, people, you will hear believers, Christians, pastors, preachers, evangelists, talk about the power of the believer, the authority of the believer. But why? What's the, what's the genesis of this authority? Why does the believer need authority? So to answer that question, we need to go back to the book of the beginnings, like they normally call it Genesis. Praise the Lord, Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter three, verse six. Genesis three six. Genesis. So I will try as much as possible to be slow enough for you to so that I can clearly communicate my message and you guys can get it amen but I might skip a few things uh, forgive me in advance if um if I'm too fast right uh I'm, this is one of my most favorite topics uh, because it's vital in every believer's life so I'm, I'm really trusting God and I'm praying for myself to to, to slow down a lot <laughs> well enough today amen So, verse 6 of Genesis chapter 3. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, you know, I think I should take it a few steps backwards. Now, let's go to verse 1, and this is one of the reasons why I'm praying for myself to slow down. I'm trying to do some good job in four weeks, uh, but uh, the way things are going in my spirit, looking at what is in my spirit, uh, it will take way more than that. So let me slow down from here and let's start the journey on a nice note. Amen. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, and this is the New King James Version I'm reading from. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, As God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave, it, she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and the seed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife... He themselves, from the presence of the Lord, uh, God among the trees of the garden. Now, uh, let me summarize this a little bit. So there was a one, there was an instruction to Adam that if you do this, you will die. Now, Satan came, walked into the garden of Eden and told those guys that, told Eve, if you disobey God, that you will not surely die, right? And the Bible tells us that, their eyes were opened after the edge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, the question we ask ourselves is this Was God lying? Was God correct? Because if you are a critical, analytical person like me, you, will find, you want to find out the correlation between the two. God said they would die. But what generally we know as death is cessation of life, right? But the Bible tells us that after they ate of that tree, the Bible didn't tell us they died. The Bible tells us that their eyes were open. What a contrast. He said they would die, but their eyes were opened. So something is not there's a missing link somewhere there. Amen. So to find that missing link, let's go to Romans chapter 5 from verse 12. Romans, the book of Romans 5 verse 12. Romans 5, 12, I'm reading, uh, still in NKJV. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. Now, Apostle Paul is saying to you here that what God said in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, what God said in the book of Genesis chapter 2, because God spoke to the man in Genesis chapter 2, and um, Eve reiterated this to the serpent when it came to deceiver. Now, what God said in Genesis is correct. Because Paul is saying here that when Adam and Eve sinned, so when you talk about sin, we're talking about rebellion to God. Generally, when people think about sin, they think about some so-called big sin like sexual immorality, murder, and some other kind of abuse and things like that. And that's why some people, they think in their mind, because they don't commit fornication, because they don't murder people, they think they are, they are not sinners. Oh, um, I would like the teenagers to hear this, very to, to listen to this carefully. And even adults. Some people, because... They don't commit the big sin, so to say. They consider themselves not to be sinners, and they judge other people. But if you have ever disobeyed God, probably asked you to call Jasmine in the morning at nine o'clock. You said no, I'm not coming down until ten o'clock. That's sin. So every act of disobedience is sin. But can I be clear on something? <clears throat> Excuse me. The consequences of sin vary. We? Okay, so what, 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 what differentiates sin, any kind of sin, is the consequence. But left to God, sin is sin. So when some people think they will not make heaven because they are a sinner, whatever justification or rationale in their mind, or some people think they will make heaven because they don't wear trousers, that's a woman, you know, this is from Nigeria where I come from, there some, there's a, there's a, there's a there's some category of Christians who don't believe that women should wear male garment, and in their mind, male garment, for instance, is a trousers, a pair of trousers, a pair of pants. We, we, we're so jobless. <laughs> okay, now the question is, why are they not thinking about men not wearing male, female garment? Because if you wear a dress. It's something that looks like a dress, it should be kind of female garments, right? And there are a lot of things that females wear, a men wear, that are kind of similar to what the female are wearing. So it just shows some people are not thinking, with all due respect, or they are, they are not reading their Bible, or they are just, I don't know, I'm looking for very pleasant words to describe it so that it doesn't sound as if I'm insulting people. right? Can I be very clear before I carry on my message? The Christian walk is not a walk that has to do with your physical appearance. Uh, but I'm not saying that people should not dress decently and be mindful of how the, and be presentable. But the Christian work is not an outward thing. It has nothing to do with your outward. It has all to do with your inward. Now can I say, if your inward, your heart, your attitude, I mean the condition of your heart is right, it will affect your exterior. Religion Try to make us to change our outward appearance, not giving attention or paying careful attention to becoming the kind of person God wants us to be in Christ Jesus. So we have a lot of Christians out there today who does not fear the Lord but look like they fear the Lord. So when new converts begin to meet many Christians in the in the when um, people when when. when <laughs> When the lights are off and they see what many Christians are doing, they feel disappointed. They get disappointed. But on the side of the Christians who are crafty, corny, deceitful, and, you know, all kind of dark things that they do. The, thing is that the reason why many of them are not focusing on the inward, I believe, is because they think all about Christianity is how you look, how you speak, and how you are presented to the people out there. Amen. I think it's a word for someone. Where I don't know how that I got into that, but I about something in my heart. Like I said, I don't know <laughs> today's message. I am speaking from my heart because what I prepared is not what I feel the Lord wants us to talk about. Amen. So the Bible tells us there that sin entered the world and death spread to all men. So which means what God said in the in Genesis is actually true. So, what we saw happen to Adam and Eve was an evidence of death. So, what kind of death are we talking about there? To jump ahead of myself a little bit. That death is not a physical death. It's a spiritual death. Amen. It's a spiritual death. So, the death in the book of Genesis is a spiritual death. So, this takes us to the next point. There are different kinds of death. There's a physical death and a spiritual death. Now, the spiritual death ever experienced by man was separation from God. I repeat, the first ever kind of death in the Bible was separation from God, not a cessation of life such that a person's spirit leaves their body. We can see the physical body, but they cannot move. Amen. The first kind of death we saw in the Bible is a spiritual death. Now, physical death came as a result of the impact of spiritual death. So let's read Romans two five for that. So I was talking about sin, not sinning, blah blah blah. Okay, I think I I, I I'm not sure if I actually concluded on that one. I was trying to say that you know, sin is not something about it's not really about the exterior; it's about the condition of the heart. And um, don't judge people because you look holier than the people. Any form of disobedience is sin. Amen. Do we clear, do we clear, uh, are we clear on that? Verse 13, 13 of uh, Romans 5. It said For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death, watch this. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Who is the type of him? Who was to come? Watch this. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense... Watch this. For if by... Verse 15 again. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense, many died. The Bible did not say that the people died because of their own offense. It said, for by the offense of one man, Adam, many died. Watch this. Much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, are bounded to many. Verse 17. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the Bible tells us about two things there. Death came through the disobedience of Adam. And life came through the, the works of Jesus. Is death, resurrection, ascension. So if we say death is separation from God, so what did Jesus bring? Life, which, which means union with God. So when you hear in the book of St. Corinthians 5, when it talks about that Jesus has been given, or, you know, Jesus has given us a ministry of reconciliation. Jesus have, have a ministry of reconciliation. The Bible is talking about a restoration to God. Spiritual death was separation from God, right? And that came through the sin of Adam. Now, what Jesus brought was the opposite. It came to restore us to the Father. Amen. It came to restore us to the Father. Now, what happened to us, to mankind in Genesis was that when Adam sinned, right? Now, when we were separated from God, we were united with the devil. Yeah, when we're separated from God, we were united with the devil. So, God no longer became our God, Satan became our God. And that's why uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 calls Satan the God of this world. Anybody can doubt it. That's fine. And they can live their life recklessly. Let, um, they can tell me later on how they are, how, how are fearing with demons, principalities, and powers. Now, so when, Satan, when mankind became united with the devil, and Satan became the father of everyone who is not born again, right? What happened? Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, demonic forces had the right of authority on earth. They had the right to display. They had the right to do whatever they can do or they want to do on earth. Now, let, let's look at it this way. Now, the, the, the way God, now, um, is it, I think Psalm 8, tells us that everything that God created, he gave the control of everything to mankind. God put us in charge of everything he's created for a limited time, for a time. The time might be thousands of years ago. No. So, for a period of time, God has, you know, put in our care. You know, He put us in charge of all He's created, and we can see this book of Genesis chapter one. Take your time to read out later on. So, God created and chapter two. So, God created the earth and put the earth and put human, humanity, man and woman, as His custodian of the earth he gave us charge over the earth. So what happened is this, when Adam sinned, what he did was that he relinquished his own authority, is that the right word, to the devil. Right? So Satan took no not he took. Satan gave. And let's let me let's prove let me prove that to you. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4. So let me prove to you because this was Jesus who said it himself, right? That Satan is the God of the world. Because when Satan, no, no, I'll put it this way. When Satan, let's read it so I can be clear on that. Uh, Matthew 4. This is what you get, we normally refer to the temptations of Jesus. Now, I said, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Okay, let me start from, let's start from verse 1. Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led up by the the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to see him, watch this, the tempter. Let me quickly call something out. God does not tempt people with sin. Amen. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that the stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, and said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Now, let me take it again. Let's take that verse 9 again. And it says to him, all this, uh, let me take him, verse 8 again. It said, and the devil took him up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Amen. All the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And it said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Now, you know that Jesus stands for truth. And Jesus never lie. Jesus will not look at a lie in the face and not dispute it. Jesus did not dispute that all the kingdoms of the world have been delivered to Satan. That's what I'm going. He didn't dispute it. So indeed, Satan is the God of the world. Now watch, 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 watch this. He said, all of the, all of the kingdoms of the world and glory. And he said, all of this I will give you. Uh, I think I'm looking for a word. There's a version that I read that where he said, you know, they have been delivered to me. Amen, but not not, not just one. So Satan there was kind of saying the truth a little bit there to say that, you know what, this was given to me. Uh, Somebody submitted, rendered it, surrendered it to me. So whether we want to accept it or not, connecting what happened in Genesis, when mankind disobeyed God, to what we see in the life of Jesus here, what Apostle Paul has said, speaking to the Roman church, or the church in Rome, it is an established fact that when mankind sinned, Satan became the god of this world. Satan started controlling things. Amen. Let's go to St. Corinthians 4.4. 4. It is important that we clarify this. Amen. And we have it established. Hello. And have it established in our hearts, the source of... I mean, why authority and establish the source of our authority? Amen. Now, so let's look at Second Corinthians 4:4 4, 4 says, uh, whose mind that's not complete, but let's put it. Say, Whose mind the God of this age, talking about people who don't believe? Whose mind the God of this age as blinded who do not okay, no, whose mind the God of this age? As blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them? So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Ephesians six ten. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the old armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. James tells us that we should resist the devil and then we flee from us. So there's devil and demons in this world. So when anyone has an encounter or experience some forces that they cannot explain the origin or why things are happening in that kind of way, better believe that there are demons in this world and no, there's no medication in this world that can solve demonic situation. I repeat, there's no demonic, there's not medication that can solve any demonic situation. So as a government, and um, babe, what's this? Um, the big farmer? The big pharma- yeah, because of my wife and I were watching the video uh, on, on Friday about what major pharmaceutical companies, evil people, right? What they are up to. I don't need your job, whatever. I will say 24 7. I don't want your job. Demonic, most of you are demonic people, you big pharmaceutical companies. And I say, anyway, if you see my CV, better, better just walk past it. And if you hire me, you know you're hiring somebody who's come and come and tell you the truth. I don't want your contract. Amen. Demonic people. Because these guys are making billions of dollars on, on drugs, even the ones that will destroy you. Amen. And I don't, blame, I don't blame them in this context because they are spiritually dead. They don't understand spiritual things. And some of them, if you want to hear the truth, they are people in the command of darkness. They are bodies with the devil. Amen. Amen. They will work. They will work with demons to bring sickness and diseases, viruses into the system, so that they can sell you the medication, all in the name of cure, to prolong the situation. And you will need another medication. We better wake up and start enforcing our pa- the power that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. I, I had COVID at some point, and um, I knew what it, what it kind of feels like. But I can tell you that you can it can beat COVID. Erica, I can tell you, you can beat COVID with your, okay, I think we're going to take her to the back a little bit now, yeah, so that, because uh, she's coming up in this, um, no worries, just the, yeah, just a little bit farther from my mic, it's okay there, you're fine there, yeah, yeah, so, uh, Erica wants to preach, um, but Erica's is going to be your time soon, right, fantastic, amen. Now, we better be conscious of the authority and the power we have in Christ Jesus, so that. The enemy will not throw people, will be manipulating us, oppressing us, and killing us. Friends, we are not like every other human being. Your neighbor may look nicer than you. Your neighbor may look more gorgeous than you. But that does not mean they are better than you. Don't forget what I said earlier on. This Christian life is not about what you look like. It's about what's inside of you and who you are. So don't think your neighbor is more superior than you to you because they are driving Lexus or driving Range Rover. Don't use material things as a measure of the authenticity of the quality of life that you should live. I repeat, that, that one sound nice a little bit. Don't use material possessions or natural accomplishments as a measure of the quality of life. See, your, your neighbors may be 10 times richer than you in money, but you are always better than them if they are not saved because you have the life of God on the inside of you. You want to hear the truth? You see, when Jesus comes and all of these things is over, Right? All of these things will not matter. All of these material possessions will not matter by the time Jesus returns. Amen. So let's bear that in mind. If you need more, more facts to prove to you that there are demons and devil in this world, I will give you more. Because of my time, I think I should pause there. So to, to summarize that, i move on to the next point. Adam sinned. Uh, sin came into the world. Spiritual death, which is... Uh, spiritual. Um, Spiritual separation from God came into this world. Horn mankind was separated from God spiritually. I'm hearing my spirit to say, ret- retreat this. See, so even if you, as a person, you are not born again, you know, you have the cars, you have the nice things, you know, you are well in health, and you think everything is fine for you. No, it's not fine. How f- being fine is defined is not based on you attaining the standards of well-being, of quality well-being of the world. If you don't have Christ on the inside of you, if you don't have the life of God, you are nothing. Amen. You are nothing. So this may not apply to you because most people watching my message might be Christian. So I'm saying to you, your friends and your family friends who seems like everything is working for them, everything is fine, they are okay, but they are not saved, they are not fine. And there are such people we should be praying for. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that we should not copy the way of the transgressor or the oppressor. Don't copy the way of the world. He said this evil, 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 evil Christianity. Because I don't want people to misquote me. That's why I'm I'm, I'm struggling here a little bit. The evil version of Christianity that's entered the church that equates material possession or natural accomplishment as a quality of Christian life. It's nonsense. I'm going to speak some things with all boldness. So because the man of God has universities, because he has built factories, because he has, because he has accomplished a lot of things, so you use that as a measure of spiritual success, Christian success. That's nonsense. And I was indoctrinated into that too, until God delivered me. Because I've been part of churches where the pastors and the preachers are successful in natural things. And we're trained to see that as success. So what, what we're taught is this. If you are not excelling in natural accomplishment, if you are not making money, if you are not driving the best cars, your spiritual life is, is sham. Your spiritual life is in a mess. And there's something in me always stood, I, I like, something is not right with this teaching and with this concept. Until God started opening my eyes and giving the boldness to declare it. I say to you with all authority as a pastor over my household here, Now, any man of God who has universities, who has every natural accomplishment that you can think of and do not know the gospel, they have problems. They have nothing. Caught me and caught me anywhere. Any man of God... Okay, there's a a video I stumbled on YouTube recently. And they were showing videos of young... uh, of the richest young pastors in Nigeria. And I can see many young people going after these guys. And because we have some fathers in the faith who have, you know, have been to universities and things like that, we have some guys coming up to trying to, like, have those things as an accomplishment. Right. So, because the fathers in the faith, you know, and the fathers in the faith are robots, people that I really respect, right, because they have universities, so some guys coming up too. And the funny thing is that these guys did not see it as an accomplishment. They saw a need. They had a calling. It was a kind of a Bible school, like, well the academic things i cannot go into details Andrew Mac has a as a as a, a bible college carries bible college i i mean he's a man i so i respect a lot so people are not called or given an assignment to build institutions to educate people on christianity we then want to build their own and to use it as a as a as a, as a measure of success and many people rate these people as successful people because you are not as successful as them in material things. This is all nonsense. This is not Christianity. So I repeat, anyone, regardless of their natural accomplishment, would do not know the gospel of Christ, even if they are kind of a Christian. They are nothing. Because what they have is nothing. And we need to get it right. Because it's one of the reasons why in churches today... Some pastors will treat some people who don't seem to be rich, especially, no, no, no. they treat the rich in their church, uh, especially, and they disregard the ones who don't have as much money, or they they don't dress as cool. The book of James says that this is judging with evil intention. This is showing favoritism, and it is sin. So you treat some, one person uh, more nicely than somebody else because they look good or they speak the English or they speak the language. This is not right. I think I'm saying the reason why it was a struggle for me to you know, um, put, my, you know, put myself together for service because God wants to speak to people's hearts. Amen. So those are words of knowledge for people. They are not part of my note or what things I want to talk about. So but what, I, what I want to share with you guys is there are devils in the world, Satan lost dominion over, sorry, uh, Adam lost, lost dominion over what God has given to him, the creation of God, and Satan had dominion. And we saw in the life of Jesus there that Satan, you know, said to Jesus that these are all have been given to me, but, um, you know, and Jesus did not dispute it. Amen. Right. So let's get into what authority means. Right. So I've shown us, showed us where the problem is. I mean, the, the origin how things got bad. Sickness, diseases, all of this came through sin. You know, if you read the account of Genesis, uh, after the fall of man, um, after Adam committed high treason in the sense, as as we put it, or after he disobeyed God, you see that more... Let's go back there. Let's go back. Genesis 3. Genesis 3, uh, verse 6 now. Now, let me jump to... I'll take it from 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and hurt. She also gave to her husband with her and he hurt. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. The eyes of both of them were opened. Now, but they had eyes they could see. But what more could they see? Or what did they see differently after they disobeyed God? Friends, spiritual world or spiritual realm is very real. Hmm? They saw evil. They were opened up to the world. They lost the consciousness of God. They lost connection with the kingdom of God. And what they now see is themselves. So, what I'm trying to call out here is, is the consequences of that spiritual death. Selfishness, self, self-centeredness are all produce of spiritual death. Self-pity, self this victim mentality, all of those things are produce, a result of spiritual death. Self-focus, wanting to look as sexy as possible so that men can like you. These are all signs of spiritual death. Adam, let's go to Genesis. Let's go to the previous chapter. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. The Bible says, And they were born, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Their body shape, their six pack. I'm sure Adam has six pack. Their six pack. Is. The, the, the boot size of Eve was not a focus, neither was her bum size. So, when a woman becomes teenagers, hear me very properly. So, when a girl becomes conscious of her, her breast size or the size of her bum, she's she's walking in the path of spiritual death. Amen. It is when you are dying spiritually that you are, fo- you are excessively focused on your looks and trying to modify yourself to attain a standard of look. That should not be a practice of a Christian girl. That you are doing surgeries and doing all kinds of stuff to look in a way in order to attract men just shows that you're spiritually not all right. I repeat, when a girl or a woman is excessively focused on her body, form, and shape, she's spiritually not all right. Because these are offshoots of spiritual death. These are produce of spiritual death. What is in you is much greater than what you look like or what's on your exterior. The life and the power of God on the inside of you as a believer, as a Christian, has been given to you to make the world a better place. And that's why I'm training people here in this church to be world changers. Because God has called us to be light of the world. Each time you're focused on your body, you idolize your body. Your body becomes your God. Because that's your focus. That's what you worship. That's what occupies all your attention. As long as you're bo- you, are, you, are, you are worshiping the created, or oh, what is created? Creature, right? You cannot really worship God or be God-sensitive. And some people who are so body conscious, when they come on the altar to or on the platform to sing with the ones I inquire, what we what we pick is seduction, not the life of Christ. So whether you want to believe it or not, what is in your mind? Like I was talking about motive was last week, what is in your mind? What drives you? What's your focus? We radiate around you. Amen. You cannot get seduction from me because what is my focus, what drives me, is life and giving life to people. So whether you are looking at my green, nice green jacket, it's not my business. <laughs> Amen. So, talking about the consequence of sin, their eyes were opened. They were no longer God conscious. So if you realize that, like Johnny was leading prayer this morning, if you realize that you are becoming less God conscious. And you're becoming more people-conscious, body-conscious, it's time to check your spiritual life. This is the time you go and fast and pray and study the Word. You separate yourself. You go on, you go on social media. Amen. Girls, did you hear that? When you realize you, your body is now becoming your focus, and each time you go and meet some of your friends you know what you what, what makes you uncomfortable is is is, is your breast size on your body size your height your whether you have increased in size or not so your spiritual life needs needs to go to a and e we need ambulance to get to a and e because whether you like it or not you are walking in the path of darkness in the path of death and the devil will use you so well give you enough depression enough anxiety amen so as i as i wrap up on this one Let's finish up with this. Say, so, and the seed, so uh verse 7, and the seed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they had a the sound of the Lord walking the garden of, of the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. Number two, fear. Fear is a produce of spiritual death. And that sense of inadequacy, of guilt, of condemnation, of unworthiness of. On unworthy of God, when we feel unworthy of God, these are produce of spiritual death. Because God is God has been in the garden and is there all the time. You know, people say things like God came down in the cool of the day. say, God is there twenty four seven, amen. They just they, by chance they they their mind got a little bit conscious of God's presence and they they withdrew. So, people should not think God was coming from Adam. Please get this clearly, because I see all this, and all this on, on social media alone. So, they, so, so, a lot of people have this concept or believe this idea that God was always coming down from heaven into the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day to fellowship with Adam. Really? And some people believe that Adam has seen God. But Jesus has told us that nobody has seen God except him who came from the Father. So, God is there 24-7. God's presence is everywhere. So what makes, the, what makes the presence of God manifest in your life is when you switch your consciousness to his presence that is there with you. If you are, if you are preoccupied with many other things, you will, not, you will not sense God's presence. One of the reasons why it is wrong to pray that God let your presence come and be with us because it's there with you. When, you, when, you, when they invite you for meetings, for, Christ, for crusades and meetings, when they tie to the things like special encounter with God, God is coming to have an encounter with you, those are not the meetings you should be attending. But what I can tell you is this. When we come together in the Spirit of God and we are conscious of God, because we isolate ourselves from the world and we are focused on the Lord, we will see the manifestation of His power. What I'm trying to say is this. Don't expect that God will come and visit you in a particular meeting. Divine visitation. These are lies. So it means God will visit you in that place and he will go back. Hence, many people are not stable, in the, they're not stable in their Christian life. See, I was, I was say, I'm telling you, that concept of divine visitation is sham. Some people get angry about it. So you got a visitation in your mind at some point. Now you are looking for another divine visitation. And you've not had it for the past five years. Should you not be thinking something is not right? So hence, some people enter into condemnation. They feel they are worthy of God. That's why God is not visiting them. And these are part of the root of manipulation and abuse in the church. When God, when some people think God lives with some people, some men and women of God, but for, for them, it's a visitation. But for some men and women of God, is God living with them. It's a lie. The Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Christ dwells in, in each and every one of us. And I'm going to be smashing all of these lies, busting all of this meat, all of these lies in the next few weeks. God is in you, is with you. How many times have you seen in the Bible where it is written that God is God dwells with the men of God, and He visits some people? If you have never seen this in your Bible, then why are you believing that, friends? Our Lord Jesus, how can I express this and, and not take too much time? We got to be reading our Bible. We got to learn to know the Word of God for ourselves unfortunately the clergy or the some people can manipulate you can lie to you Un- unfortunately they can not that they want to or they will you, but they can and some do so if you don't know the truth for yourself you'll be let down the path of darkness you'll be led into destruction we got to wake up guys come on you have access to god you have access to the father god is your father He's not the father of your prophet, father of your pastor. He's the father of each and every one of us. When Paul was praying for the Ephesian church, he said, I bow my knee to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, not the God and father of my Lord Jesus Christ. Our, all of us. Amen. Because of my time, I'm going to stop there. I, I So here I'll put a comma and we will continue next week. I hope that blessed you guys. I'm going to watch this message again I'm listen to again to bless myself because most of the things I shared with you guys, I didn't plan it. right? If we were to look at my notes, you know, I said, what is authority? I've not even started. So if we are to look at my notes, I've not started. Amen. So I've done my job, right, as I've led by the Spirit. Uh, next, week, next week, probably, uh, I'll be allowed to teach what I want to teach. But let me just give you, because I said it, so from me, from me, from me, right? See, authority means the power or right to give orders. The power or right to give orders. And so next week, I'm going to be talking about, you know, more about, you know, why we need to give orders, why we need to enforce obedience. You know, one of the definitions of authority is to enforce obedience. Why well, we need to enforce obedience and what the source of our power our authority is. Yeah, I'm going to, next week, Sunday, you, you don't want to miss it. And I trust God who has a, um, well, he's preparing us for the new year because I believe God wants us to enter the new year strong, vibrant, you know, in charge. And you know what? They uh, watch night service, as they call it. They, they, what's it called? It? I don't want to call it crossover because I'm going to bust out my daddy too. Uh, but New Year Year's service, uh, you don't want to miss it because I'm going to say some things by the Holy Ghost and I'm going to be sharing some things from my own personal experience with you guys to make the new year uh, a great one for you guys. So you don't want to miss that as well, but we will get you details on that. Uh, we'll not be able to use this facility for um, a few reasons, um, but we're still working on that one. All right, guys, uh, let's bow our heads for prayers, and then we we carry on with the rest of our day. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord, as you've spoken to us this morning. We pray that our highs of understanding is enlightening. We have an understanding of your word and we can walk in the realization of this world, understanding that there are demons and the forces in this world, and as we get into it much more, understanding the authority you have given unto us in Christ Jesus and the reconciliation, the restoration, we pray we'll be bold, we'll be encouraged, we'll be strengthened, and we'll be able to walk in the authority you have given to us in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for in Jesus' name we're praying. Amen.